1: It's time for Eye Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Eye along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling Text Line, 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and Steve
2: Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, originating this morning from University Park, State College, Pennsylvania, and Beaver Stadium on the campus of uh, the Penn State University here. As we get set for football, Steve Kelly with you, Lauren Tate also in the house. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning?
0: I'm doing fine. How are you doing?
2: Good. It's a little cool not cold, but cool, damp. It rained overnight. Uh, the radar looks like there could be some showers throughout game time, although it doesn't appear to be raining right now. And we've been here for a couple of hours already and uh, getting things set up. And it looks just like a an October kind of day. It could be worse. We've been here when there's been a lot of snow, as you remember.
0: Yeah, I know. I, you know, I've got a lot of... Feelings of trepidation about this trip. I just, that, that Wisconsin game kind of threw me for a loop. When you're rushed 25 first downs to one by Wisconsin, and you wonder, oops, oops, <laughs> what's going to happen against Penn State? Can they turn this in some way, turn this around? And do we know yet who the quarterback's going to be?
2: Either way, on either side. because <laughs> Penn State has an issue as well with Sean Clifford yep. uh, being injured. My guess is he won't play, but we don't know that for sure. Brandon Peters was cleared for practice. He is uh, good to go. That does not mean he'll start in the ballgame today, so we'll have to wait and see. No official word yet. We'll get that somewhere along the way on our pregame coverage, but uh, it could be Art Sitkowski. It could be Brandon uh, Peters. Uh, Brett Bielma has not said yet, obviously, both on the trip and uh, ready to go.
0: More mystery, Steve, in the fact that he also said there have been some position switches but he didn't give us any hint as to what he was talking about, and we don't know. No, so that'll be just something to wait to look, and see.
2: Yep, that'll be something to look for when this game kicks off at 11:06. Homecoming here in Happy Valley. They've been uh, getting uh, big crowds. No reason to think they wouldn't today, other than maybe the weather. But uh, this place will seat uh, over 106,000 folks for football. And as I mentioned, it is homecoming, and Penn State about a 24-point favorite in this ball game. Both teams coming off the bye week. Both teams coming off bye, uh, after uh, losses going into the bye week. Penn State lost two weeks ago at Iowa. And of course, uh, Illinois lost two weeks ago at home against Wisconsin. So we'll see how it plays out. There's a lot... Uh, a lot of uh, mystery in the air, so to speak. and We've got the phone lines open here for the first uh, segment. If you'd like to join us, 217 356 9397. There's some other Big Ten games. We'll preview that. We'll talk about high school football, Illinois basketball tonight, Lauren. The exhibition game, a little double duty today, eh?
0: Yeah, an eight o'clock game against, you know, it's an exhibition. And what we know we're going to see is a lot of substitution, a lot of. Su- a lot of uh, switching around and big teams, small teams with a lot of guards on the floor or maybe the big guys all on the floor. I'm sure that uh, Underwood's going to give us every uh, opportunity to see. He's just going to take every opportunity to see what he's got. And I don't know how much we'll learn tonight. But uh, anyway, it'll be fun to see the basketball team with a crowd out there.
2: Yeah, they just want to see somebody in a different uniform. They're they're at that point in the uh, preseason where they're getting tired of looking at each other. And the uh, they want to play all on the same team for a change, and they'll get that opportunity in the first of two exhibitions.
0: Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm anxious to see that, but I'm, I'm, I'm more anxious to see if Illinois can continue to play what I would call more resistant defense than we've seen. This is, Illinois, for four straight games, has allowed only 24 points, no more than 24 points in a game. And Steve, uh, we can't overlook that. If the defense will suddenly get better, at least they'll be competitive in games, or at least in most cases. And uh, I don't, I just don't know if they can hold uh, uh, Penn State. I don't, I don't know if Clifford's going to play. And even if he doesn't, I think their 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 talent level is, is so much greater than Illinois. And we got we got to – you know, that's been the discussion all week about Illinois' talent level, particularly in the offensive line, because um, in the future doesn't look particularly good. And up to right now, the that senior-laden uh, line has not played quite as well as we had hoped. Uh, as it as it has uh, as of last week, only three of the five seniors, uh, super seniors, were starting in the offensive line. After all five had started earlier, so he's. I don't think he's experimenting, but I think he's trying to do some things, trying to move people around to see if he can get a better operation.
2: The backup uh, Penn State quarterback is Taquan Roberson. He didn't look very good and, uh, when called into duty in that Iowa game. He was uh, on the season. He's 11 for 28, two interceptions and uh, one touchdown pass. And uh, they, they definitely had that game in control. Penn State did, at Iowa two weeks ago until Sean uh, Clifford uh, was injured and uh, the tide turned there, so to speak, and yeah. they lost 23 to 20.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, you think Illinois can uh, can get the, the running game going a little bit with uh, Chase Brown and, and, and Josh McCrae they've shown you know McRae had 156 yards at Purdue and you know what uh, what Brown did against Char- uh, Charlotte he had 257 yards. I just I would I would think there'll be a major effort today to try to get that ground game going. They came out against Wisconsin I think with a realization and a, that they couldn't really run the ball and, and, and they went into a pass uh, geared offense right from the beginning. Uh, I, I kind of look for him to fall back on the running game a little bit today, or at least attempt it, don't you?
2: I do, although Penn State's pretty good against the oh, run. They're yeah. fourth in the Big Ten, yeah. giving up 110 yards a game on the ground. They're first in the Big Ten in uh, scoring defense at 13 points a ball game. As I mentioned, the phone line is open. Let's uh, go to the phones, and Steve is with us from Princeton. Hey, Steve, good morning.
3: Yeah, two questions. You mentioned the exhibition basketball game tonight, and that's going to be carried on the network. Is Deion Thomas going to be the
1: analyst this year on the network?
2: He is. He and Doug Altenberger will both uh, be called to duty. And uh, I'm not sure who's on tonight. I'll find out for you. But, uh, yes, he is involved in the rotation.
3: Okay, because I heard something on the show last night that there's a possibility – Dion wasn't going to be involved or something or other obligations. And then uh, I see Adam Miller is out for the season towards ACL at LSU.
0: Yep. Yes, he did. Tough break. Uh, is, is Dion going to be some, doing some work also for the Big Ten, Steve?
2: I don't know. He has in the past, but I, yeah. I'm not sure what his schedule is. I haven't uh, talked to Dion for a little while, so we'll, we'll be finding that out here in the, in the uh, days ahead for sure.
0: What well, was your other you you question, Steve? The-
3: I sure enjoy listening to both Dion and Doug,
2: but they're, they're two good ones.
0: Yeah. Any other questions?
2: No, that's it. Okay. All right. We got the phone lines open 217 356 9397. Some uh, high school basketball or uh, high school football, Lauren. Uh, I guess you went out last night, huh?
0: Yeah, I saw one of the best games all year. I mean, an unbelievable overtime game. Monticello lost to Unity. Uh, that was a 33-27 game. Here's the interesting part at the end of the game. Of course, it was just a wild, wild and woolly game, Steve, with long kickoff returns and long passes and a hook and ladder, and just uh, just a thrilling game throughout. And it was 27 all, and they went into overtime. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, Unity was out there quor- without their quarterback. Uh, it was uh, fourth and 14 in that first series, fourth and 14 from the 14 yard line, and they scored a touchdown on a pass to go ahead 33-27, but they missed the extra points. So all Monticello had to do to win the game was, they, you know, they start in high school at the 10-yard line. So the first three plays made nine yards. They faced fourth and one, likely to win the game if they score. All they had to do was kick the extra point, and uh, they tried to razzle-dazzle play in the backfield, and it didn't work. And they did not score, and Unity came out as with an undefeated season, undefeated regular season, that is, and to their credit. Monticello lost two games and uh, one by one point and the other by in overtime.
2: And uh, both those teams headed uh, to the playoffs. So so Unity had the ball first in overtime and scored yes. first and missed the extra point. Yes, right?
0: they, but they scored on fourth and 14, Steve. Right. <laughs> it looked like Monticello had held them, you know. And, yes, that is correct. They scored first in the overtime, and then Monticello got the ball at the 10-yard line and, and as I said, gained nine yards. On, and they had a they had a pass interference um Play a call against Unity, which put the ball on the one, and I didn't know the rule, but uh, I think when you have uh, pass interference in in the, in the Big Ten, don't you get a in college? Don't you get a first down um, automatically?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, they didn't. Uh, they, they got pass interference, but they they gave them a order amounted to a one yard penalty, and uh, and they did, and it was fourth down. So, <laughs> you know. They just couldn't. They couldn't get it in. But boy, what a game! And what a an, what a uh, a lot of noisy uh, atmosphere there. Uh, people really getting into the game, and and they had a good halftime show and a good pregame show. It was it was quite a night for Monticello. But did it didn't rain win.
2: during the game at all?
0: I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, it was trying to rain at, at halftime, and uh, Jim Die and I were together, and we went inside. Uh, you know, for that brief. Little period, and of course, we're thinking, Are we going to come out for the second half? If it's going to be raining, we you know, I don't know if we'll stay. And, and it quit raining, and the second half was fine.
2: Other uh, high school scores from last night this is week nine of the high school football season. Centennial is playoff eligible with a 15 to 8 win over Champaign Central last night. Muhammad Seymour 21 to 7 over Bloomington. BBL beat St. Joe Ogden, 28-0. Arthur Lovington, Atwood Hammond over Villa Grove, 49-22. Prairie Central beat Bloomington Central Catholic, 15-0. Salt Fork over Oakwood, 8-2. Tuscola beat Meridian, 33-7. Iroquois West, 37. Clinton, 7. And Gibson City, Melvin Sibley over Hayworth, 56-19, Fifty-six to nineteen. Some of the high school scores from uh, last night. Check out today's news gazette for all the rest of the scores and uh, game stories on high school football. And then the uh, playoff pairings will be uh, worked up tonight. So the the fastest season in sports, the high school football season, is through the regular season. Although there are a couple of games yet to be played today in week nine, but uh, we'll be headed towards the playoffs. And Next let's, hear it,
0: let's hear it from Muhammad Seymour, Steve. Uh, undefeated season, I yep, know. That, that was a great it, season. Yep, yeah, and that's terrific. And it's interesting that uh, we're, I think we're seeing, uh, to, to a great extent, uh, the development of, of teams like Unity and, and, uh, and Monticello and Muhammad Seymour. Uh, they're now competitive with, uh, there was a long period of time when Urbana and Champaign were, were just in another level. And I don't think that's the case anymore. I think Muhammad Seymour can play with them, and uh, particular. And, and Unity's a big, strong team, much bigger and stronger than Monticello. Um, but Monticello's got a, a very good passing attack under, uh, you know, under Curly Welter. He's really good. But uh, I just find it interesting that, you know, that the uh, Urbana, you know, didn't even have enough players to, to field the team this year. Right. And uh, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, I mean there's a, there's a lot of excitement uh, uh, in these in these towns around Champaign and Urbana, but maybe and maybe more excitement in some cases than we're seeing locally, right in town.
2: Well, one team is set for the uh, World Series. The Houston Astros winning last night, five to nothing over the uh, Boston Red Sox gave up only two hits in the ball game. And do you know, Lauren, if I heard the stat correctly and I think I did, in the last two and a half games of that series, Houston outscored Boston 22-1. to 1.
0: Huh. Well, Boston look awful good when they're hitting the ball, but good pitching will always stop good hitting, I guess.
2: Yeah, but Houston's got some good hitters on that you team, that's kidding. for sure.
0: You ain't kidding.
2: They won that in six games, four games to two. And game uh, number six of the uh, National League Championship Series comes up this afternoon at 4 o'clock. The Dodgers and the Braves in Atlanta. With the Braves leading 3-2, to two, can the Braves get it done? do you think? Well,
0: they're back home, and yep. that's an advantage. And, and that's Most of these games are, are won by the home team, so let's see. I, I don't know. I The, the Dodgers are uh, an awfully good baseball team, probably a better team overall, but they've lost two of their best players, Turner and, and Muncy. I mean, two of their sluggers. And you, you take sluggers out of the heart of your lineup, that's got to hurt.
2: Well, the guy that replaced Turner didn't do too bad. Chris Taylor hit three home runs (laughs) the other night. He's the guy that hit the walk-off home run against the Cardinals in that uh, wild-card game. Uh, Big Ten football, of course, Illinois at Penn State. Penn State is number seven in the country. That game will kick shortly after 11. Also today at 11, number six, Michigan taking on Northwestern at the Big House at 2 o'clock. Purdue, ranked 25 this week, plays against Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's had... uh, not only Illinois' number over the years, but certainly Purdue's as well. Uh, Maryland is at Minnesota at 2.30, and then coming up tonight, number five, Ohio State plays at Indiana at 6.30. Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan State, and Rutgers have the open week. Rutgers will be the opponent for Illinois next week in Champaign. We're off and rolling on the I Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take our first time out. When we come back, we'll talk more about Illinois and Big Ten football, With Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com, stay with us here on DWS in 93.9. Welcoming in Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com covers Big Ten and college football. As far as this ball game goes, Illinois uh, Adam goes in as a heavy underdog uh, into Happy Valley for their homecoming. Let's get your thoughts on Illinois thus far this season at two and five overall and one and three in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's somewhat to be expected, guys. Even though there was great excitement early with the the week zero win against Nebraska and you know some some improvement there, I thought it was going to be tough for Illinois with you know some of the roster limitations and and even at quarterback for them to to make a significant stride. I, you know, even I, that first game I thought was a, a lot about Nebraska, honestly, and and a little bit about Illinois, but a lot about Nebraska, um, you know, and, and their continued uh, uh, you know mistakes and, and problems that had hurt, have hurt them throughout coach scott frost tenure and so you know since then uh you know illinois had you know kind of a a tricky schedule utsa is a good out-of-conference opponent um you know they obviously struggled uh, on offense against wisconsin a lot of teams do that but you know they've kind of reached a point in the year now where um uh with penn state and and some tough games upcoming you know we'll kind of test where where this team is at with the new coaching staff who i'm sure you know is anxious to to kind of get to the offseason and and build and and recruit and, and kind of reshape the roster in some of the ways that Coach Bielema was discussing the other day.
0: Well, I, I'll ask you about that, uh, Adam. As to whether you think he was misunderstood or do you think that the media overreacted, or you know, basically what he said was, "I don't have any offensive linemen out of the three classes other than the freshmen, and and uh, you know, it, it doesn't look good in that position, and he's got to recruit it." What, what was your reaction when you heard what he said?
1: Well, I think I like in all things it's helpful to hear the entire um, uh, context of what he he was referring to. It wasn't like he was saying he's got no players anywhere. He was specifically talking about the offensive line position and the fact that, you know, while they have a very veteran group right now, you know, they don't have anybody uh, that's playing in the, in the next three classes. And so You know, I and I know he said, you know, it wasn't an indictment of the previous coaching staff and that he tried to be as respectful as possible, but just that fact is an indictment of the previous coaching staff. I mean, he doesn't have to say it. You 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 guys know it better than I do, uh, but even from my vantage, the fact that they're so thin at that position, which you guys know is so important after this this group of seniors moves on is is very damning and very challenging for for them. So, you know, I I, you know, I, I understand how you see the clip and a lot of people just assume that he was throwing everybody under the bus. But um, I I think that he was talking specifically about a position where quite frankly, they, they do have uh, a lack of bodies. They have a lack of personnel to replace, you know, some of the the players that'll be departing after the season.
0: Yeah. And I'm not going to go any further in this other than to clarify one point. He does have a couple of players who are playing in the offensive line who were in those classes, but were transferred from other positions, including uh, Pearl, who's a, a local Danville player here, and Okpala. I mean, both of those guys are, you know, in, in the rotation now. I mean, Pearl's starting, but um, they weren't offensive linemen in the beginning. Uh, I want to get you on this uh, 12-team thing, uh, whether you think this playoff thing is going to happen and how long it's going to take and, and whether, you, whether you support the idea.
1: Well, I, I think, it, you know, something is going to happen. I think the how long part, Lauren, is, is really interesting because, um, you know, there, there's a desire among some to, to have the expansion take place before the end of the initial television contract, which expires, you know, after the 2025, uh, uh, football season and playoff. You know, others are, are more keen to, uh, you know, when, when, whenever that, uh, next media negotiation happens, you know, basically have multiple partners or at least bid out the process to multiple partners so that you could have some playoff games on ESPN, some on a different outlet. It could be 2-3, however they do it. Uh, a lot of pro sports playoffs are structured in that same way. And so if that's to happen, um, I think there's a, a likelier chance that, that that nothing changes until the end of the current agreement. and then uh, And then the 12 teams or the eight teams or whatever they decide, probably 12, goes into effect beyond uh, sort for, of for 2026 and, and, and beyond because, you know, it's a completely new media agreement. So that's something, as Bill Hancock, the executive director of the playoffs said recently at their last meeting, if they're going to do something before the end of the current contract, they need to do it in the next few months. If they're not, they have a lot more time. And so what it ends up being is going to be really um, interesting. Uh, you know, the 12 team model is something that not a lot of us were thinking about until it was presented in the spring, but I think the timing of the presentation, especially with all the realignment that took place this summer, really put a pause on the momentum to, to see it through. I, you know, I've gone back and forth on the 12-team idea. My concern is that while it does uh, include a group of five champion and you know, uh, you know, presumably some some teams from other conferences that haven't been involved. The, 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 the potential for a, a large group of, of Big Ten or SEC teams, those two leagues, to still dominate the playoff is there. And as I told some people at the last playoff meeting, you know I, that's all the people are going to talk about. They're not going to talk about the one team from the Pac-12 or the group of five champions. They're going to talk about the five SEC teams or the four Big Ten teams that are in the playoff and how those conferences are dominant. So I, I, that, that, that's, my, that's my only concern. As somebody who would like to see this thing get more national – and to have greater access for different areas of the country so it can be a truly uh, nationally celebrated playoff. I don't know if this necessarily accomplishes that.
0: Well, it probably doesn't. On an associated subject about the teams, uh, the changes in the conferences, what's it going to be like for Texas to continue to play year after year? I mean, for the next several years in the Big 12 with everybody hating them. (laughs) Almost everybody (laughs) is. Everybody but Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, well, people hated hated Texas before this, but (laughs) I would say, you know, it it, it may only be another year or two. It's hard to imagine, and you guys know the history of realignment. You know, it's hard to imagine a team spending, you know, three years in its old its old league before moving to the new one. It just that's just not good for anybody. Now, there's certainly a lot of money involved, and the Big Twelve, as it's right, uh, has has the uh, ability to, you know, uh, hold hold Texas and Oklahoma. To that agreement before they move on to the SEC, but I, I just don't envision those le- those teams being in the Big 12 for you know another three four years before they make the move. I think uh, they'll find a way uh, to to exit earlier, and I think it's probably best for for both conferences as long as the Big 12 gets what it, it's uh, it's uh, uh, the the money that it's, it's owed from those two before they leave for the SEC. So it, it, it is awkward, though. I mean, you you heard the comments from. Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby at the league's basketball media day uh, earlier this week, and he's clearly he's still not happy and, and pretty unfiltered on a lot of things, which is yeah. great for us in the media. But it isn't a great environment for a conference. And so I think the Big 12 is going to be better off uh, you know, long-term just from a, a culture standpoint when those teams leave and then the new, the new members come in.
2: Talking college football with Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com. As far as this year's playoff and – how it might affect a team from the Big Ten? Who's your? There's still a lot of games yet to be played, and some of the leaders have to play each other. But who's your best pick? Who do you think has the best chance from the Big Ten to make that 14 playoff?
1: Well, I you know I still think it's the the team that has the most talent, which is Ohio State. But uh, there are it's an interesting situation in the East now. this, this is kind of how a lot of us thought the Big Ten East would be year after year, where you had you know, three and maybe four uh, elite-level programs. And, you know, uh, uh, Michigan has risen up significantly this year. Michigan State is the biggest surprise in college football, being there in the top ten after, after being two and five last season and, and a reshaped roster through transfers uh, for Mel Tucker, which I'll actually be writing about next week. And so, and then Ohio State and Penn State have been the more familiar teams in that position. So you know, they're going to play each other. You know, Ohio State or Penn State will be out of the playoff race uh, after next week's game. The team that has two losses, Michigan and Michigan State, will play next week. Um, you know, Michigan takes care of business against Northwestern. That's going to be a great undefeated, undefeated uh, matchup there. So uh, you know, the chances of a Big Ten team having a one-loss champion is, is still fairly high. And if that's the case. Um, you know that team will probably advance to the playoff, but it's just hard to bet against Ohio State because of what they've done in the conference. Even though I, I don't think some of their issues on the defensive side of the ball have have disappeared, the, 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 those actually might take until uh, you know full offseason to to fully get right. But it, it's a team that's been playing a lot better lately.
2: How good is Michigan State?
1: You know, I, I think they're pretty good. I, I you know, but but they also are a team that easily could have two losses right now. You know, they were fortunate to beat Nebraska. And they were forcing it to beat uh, Indiana in a game they didn't play very well last week. And you know, just being in East Lansing earlier this week, I think there there was that sense around the building that that they yeah. uh, they they know they kind of got away with one there. You know, it's hard to go from two and five and and they got blown out guys in, those, in a lot of those losses to suddenly being in the top ten. But what I like about them is that they have uh, integrated new players quickly. Uh, you know, last I was talking with uh, Harlan Barnett, their, their secondary coach, about how this spring, this spring, just a few months ago, they had three walk-ons and a converted safety playing cornerback because they had no cornerbacks. And they bring in two guys, one from Georgia, sorry, one from Florida, one from Alabama, and they're starting. And they're pretty good at that position. You know, their, their most impactful transfer, obviously, uh, Kenneth Walker from, from, uh, from Wake Forest, uh, running back, you know, giving them a big play element. They were one of the, the, the worst teams in the country in yards per rush in the, in the five seasons after they made the college football playoff. Now they're, uh, they're having a running back who's a home run hitter and they're, and their offense is averaging a lot more in yards per play. So they're an interesting team. I think they're going to give Michigan a really good test. I think they're going to give Penn state and Ohio state a really good test. I'd be surprised if they win the big 10 this year, but they're definitely a program that's headed in the right direction under Mel Tucker.
0: Well, the, uh, the universities this year have an opportunity to add seven players to their twenty-five man recruiting list. Thirty-two, mainly because of the transfer thing. Do you see that the? the do you think this they'll ease off as time goes by in the number of transfers that we see jumping from one team to another, or do you see it just staying well, the same?
1: Well, you know, Michigan State. I mean, they they, they added twenty, including fifteen out of, out of the FBS. And and Mel Mel told me on Monday. You know, we're not going to do that every year. But they also are very, um, which I think is the right approach, guys. You know, they're not hand-wringing about the transfer portal. They're, they're saying what it is. They, they, the term free agency came up a lot in my interviews Monday and Tuesday in that building. And they, they're very aware of the fact that, they're, that, 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 that guys are going to transfer out and that they're going to have to bring in new, new players every year to, to replace them. It's not going to be at that high of a rate every year, nor should it. I mean, that's, that's not the sign of a healthy program. But um, if they're bringing in the right guy, and Mel told me he, he made a point to really look not just for, you know, graduate transfers, but, but multi-year guys, guys who can, who can mm-hmm. stay for a few years and, and, and help. And, and it, it, again, like free agency in the NFL, you don't just sign a free agent on an expiring contract, you sign a guy who can help your franchise. For, for a few years. And that that's the approach. And I, I, I really think, and I'll, again, I'm writing about this on Tuesday, their their outlook towards the transfer portal is one that can be replicated even at a school like Illinois, you know, with some of Brett's comments earlier this week where where if you are targeted in the portal and you find someone and you research them who can really fit your system, uh, it, it, can, it can help you. It can be a very helpful tool and it's definitely a reality for all of these teams. And so I think the mistake is broad-brushing and saying, well, all those guys in the transfer portal are selfish, or, or all of them are bad guys and they're about to get kicked out, and we don't want a part of them. Or, oh, we're just going to take whoever's in there. Though th- that You've you got to be in between. you got to be researched and you've got to be targeted. And if you are, then, then and, and you look at it with, with a little bit of nuance, it, it can be a very helpful thing. Uh, you've seen it at Michigan State. It's completely transformed their program
2: in the year. That's Adam Rittenberg. Look for his... Um Work on ESPN.com. We appreciate your work. We appreciate your time of uh, this morning, Adam. Thank you very much.
1: All right, guys. Appreciate you having me on.
2: Thanks, Adam. It is 8:31. Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're with you until nine o'clock. Our game day coverage ahead of Illinois football begins at that time with Scott Beatty, Evan Kahn, and uh, the rest of the uh, game day uh, team. That's all coming up and kickoff here at Beaver Stadium in Happy Valley. Is 1106. You know, our friends at Illini Pella Windows and Doors want to help you find the perfect window or door for your property. Whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, visit their showroom, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. You'll see their products in person. That's the best way to do it. Discover the beauty of wood windows, the ease of the between-the-glass blinds and durability of fiberglass entry doors. Pella, by the way, is rated number one by Champagne homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. And the Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works best in each unique situation. Just got to tell, tell them what you're looking for, and working with the folks there is a very easy process. They'll be there to help you from start to finish, from shopping to installation. Visit the uh, local showroom to get started. They're open Monday through Friday and Saturday by appointment. The uh, local showroom, 10 North Country, Fair Drive in Champaign. Check out their website, too, Pellaofchampagne.com for the window experts, Illini Pella Windows and Doors. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, everybody. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate. I'm in uh, Happy Valley here at Beaver Stadium getting set for uh, this football game uh, today. Illinois and the Penn State Nittany Lions. And Mr. Tate back in Champaign. Say hello to Dr. Steve Jones, Mr. Tate.
0: Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, how are you doing? Warren, happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I know, That's I coming. Mean, I hope I not, get
3: there. <laughs> 90 years young, uh, when Penn State first came into the Big Ten, uh twenty eight years ago. Uh Lauren was one of the first people to befriend me in this conference and I've never forgotten that. He's just one of the absolute great guys. It's a real credit to the profession and just just a great guy. And I've always appreciated you every step of the way. So happy birthday on the horizon.
0: Thank you. you. I was The only reason I was uh, befriending you is I was trying to keep you and Ed Bond from getting in a fight.
3: Ed Bond? <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you right now, you know what? I haven't seen Ed in two years. And but, I mean, to be me honest with you, it's been really, really the most restful two years of my life. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> I, mean, just, I, mean, I mean, it's so relaxed, but you know what? After everything the past year, I've missed Steve, I've missed you, I've missed Eddie a lot. Eddie and I have been great friends forever, and uh, (laughs) really, uh, I understand in the new Bond movie, Bond doesn't make it, right? (laughs) 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 He's standing by to take that role over when, when the other Bond doesn't make it. Bond out, Daniel Craig on. Ed Bond as Bond, <laughs> dynamic. Well, Steve, we're going to throw some really tough questions at you
0: today. <laughs> oh good. Okay,
3: it's raining. I th- okay, I, that's I kinda, the
0: first question. Well, I, you know, I kind of want to know how Franklin's looking at this whole thing with uh, all these, uh, all this talk around the country. LSU, USC. I mean, yeah. is he is is he solid at uh, for the long term at Penn State, or do you see him being, you know, one of these games threatening
3: him to leave? All I know is that when I look at the job he's been doing, Lauren, like last weekend was a bye week for Penn State. Wednesday night he left. He went down. I think he was in Pittsburgh Thursday. He was in Florida Thursday, uh, Friday. He was in Ohio Friday night. He was, let's see, in Virginia Saturday. Wow. I mean, and so, you know, he's every time something like this has come up, he has worked very hard. You know, they always say the grass is greener on the other side. You know, it's always been the Ed Bond thing. I mean, he's still here. Uh, but uh, but the grass is greener on the other side. James Franklin has spent his career here at Penn State trying to make the grass greener here. So I'm going to, you know, until something changes, that really is how I view it. And, uh, you know, and he, that's what he's been working to do. I mean Look, there's certain steps that have to be made in every program right now, the way it's set up, in order to get to the Final Four. That last jump to go from great to elite and penn state needs you know is trying to somehow make that next step along the way now life would be easier if they go with a 12 team playoff probably which opens up more spaces so you go from three percent of the teams making the playoff to nine percent i mean college basketball is 19 right so i mean just like you know i I mean, you think I prepared for this segment.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, every league has got more teams in the play. Every league has got more teams in the playoff than we have in football. Yeah, I
3: mean, exactly. And that's, you know, in football, it's, it's become stale the way it's done. There's no question about that. Everybody feels like, oh, great, it's the same team over and over again. And one thing that's great about the NCAA tournament, and obviously Illinois has been there a lot more than Penn State has, but it's the representation across the country. Every corner of the country is represented. Gonzaga's in the west, out, in the, out in the west coast, in the northwest. you get UCLA and everybody in California, all the way to all the eastern and midwest teams. In college football, the furthest west any team has been in the last five years has been Norman, Oklahoma. Well, is that really growing the game? Is it growing the game to have Alabama play Georgia? Is it growing the game to always have Alabama play Clemson? It doesn't, it doesn't grow the game. And I think the Big Ten needs to be a major proponent of this instead of sitting on the sidelines.
2: Steve Jones is with us. He's the voice of the Penn State Nittany Lions. The other question is, who's the quarterback going to be today for Penn State? No, I guess we'll find out right about noon.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same thing for Illinois, yeah. Yeah, yeah same thing for Illinois. Uh, so we'll find out right about noon as to what they want to do. I did have somebody during the week, course, I got asked, what, how many times this week? And finally, somebody asked this question, do I know who the starting quarterback is? And I looked at it and said, yes. <laughs> 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 I said, well, who? I said, I'm not telling you. I said, James Franklin's the CEO, not Steve Jones.
2: What uh, Tell us about this Penn State team, aside from... Sean Clifford, who went out in that Iowa game, yeah. what uh, what makes this team go?
3: Uh, defense mm-hmm. and the secondary. This is the best secondary in the 40-plus years I've been here. So I've been here, what, 43 years, the best secondary I've seen. Uh, athletic with length. Uh, when they won the national championship in 86, and I was the third guy on the radio network then, uh, when they won the national championship in 86, they had a terrific secondary. But they were all in that, like, five- 5'9 to 5'10 and a half range. These guys, I mean, Castro, Fields, Porter, like 6'1, six, 6'2. Six, Brisker and, and Brown are big safeties. Ray Isom was the safety on the national championship team, and he was right in that 5'9, like, 5'10 five, five, range. Uh, and, you know, and that's, to me, the big difference. It's not just the, the athleticism. It's the length, Steve, that makes such a big difference, especially in today's game. So that's been the best part. Of this team, Clifford's been terrific when he's played. I mean, Clifford has been absolutely terrific when he's played. And Dotson, there are four receivers in this conference that are a cut above. I would say Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, David Bella, Purdue, and Dotson. Uh, and Dotson has been uh, everything you could possibly ask for. Instead of wearing five, he should wear a target because he's the number one guy you got to take out.
2: Yeah, he's caught 43 balls, averaging almost 12 yards a catch. So he's a big play guy.
3: And hasn't had a drop. Which is big, and that includes practice. Yeah, and not dropped practice either along the way. Um, I mean, Ed Bond just dropped his cell phone, so that's a bad sign. <laughs> well,
2: he, uh, he's Steve, not known for his hands, I don't think. <laughs> Steve, it looks like
0: what we have is uh, at Penn State is a situation that just keeps getting better and better. But you still have to buck Ohio State. Would you exactly. say? Would you say that Ohio State, even with one loss, has still got the advantage here? I mean, if they went out, they're still going to be the team in the playoff.
3: Well, they will be, I think, Lauren, because they would be undefeated in the conference. Let's mm-hmm. start with that, because the one yeah. loss is a non-conference game against Oregon. So that's what that's where they stand right now. And let's face it, I now mean, everybody has known the entire time that Ohio State has done a great job of, of you know assembling talent. Now Penn State's been assembling talent at a at a at a great rate because James Franklin knows that's you know it's the one way you can get over the top. You got to somehow out talent them along the way. And after that, you can talk about your schemes and so forth. But Ohio State offensively has been terrific. Defense has played a little bit better of late. uh, And uh, we'll get a good look at them next Saturday night in Columbus. Uh, You know, it'll be a nice stoic state atmosphere, which will be cool. (laughs) You're
0: you're talking about night play. When when, uh, Penn State plays at night with that whiteout, that is one of the great scenes in college anywhere. I mean, it's just the most amazing thing. I hope they don't I hope the fans just don't show up today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean,
3: it, this is interesting cuz it's raining here right now. I mean, Oh, so is it? Yeah, you know, it's homecoming weekend, but it's raining. And this is the first time all year we've had this. The first time every game has been a chamber of commerce day all the way across. And uh, today, you know, they, they've got rain coming down, the whiteout. It's interesting. Uh, old friend of mine, Peter King, uh, he I was talking to him after the Auburn game and he's, you know, and Peter doesn't watch, you know, because with the NFL, he he doesn't watch a lot of college football, but he said to me, he says, Steve, I watched that entire Auburn game. He says that whiteout, he said was the greatest thing. He said, and I said, Peter, it's one of those, it's become a bucket list thing thing. You need to see it once in your lifetime to kind of get the feel and the vibe for it. And I said, look, I said, let's be honest. I said, they don't play Fordham <laughs> when they play that game. It Usually that game, the whiteout game has been Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Notre Dame, Alabama, Auburn. It's yep. always the biggest home game on the schedule, at least, you know, especially this time it worked out great because it was September and it was warm. You know, you can wear a lot more white when it's warm as opposed to, hey, let's do a whiteout Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Wrong.
2: <laughs> Are you getting, uh, getting crowds over 100,000? 100, 105. 105.
3: 105 to 106 has been the average. And the Auburn game at 109. So, I mean, every every game has been 105-plus uh, to this point, which has been fabulous. So it's been great to see the crowds coming back because I'll be honest with you, Steve, I didn't know what to predict for anybody across the right. country because you didn't know how comfortable people were in coming back. And that's, it's, you know, there have been a few people that weren't comfortable coming back, but... It's been great to see people come out in droves the way they they have. Um, that's why you know I was kidding you know you guys when I got here. Actually, I I was kidding I didn't kid you. All right, but how how great it is to see all you guys again. You well, know, Steve,
0: I could... want to ask something about the game itself. Sure. Illinois is going to try to run the ball. They got two yeah. good running backs and yep. Josh McCreary and Chase backs. Brown. Can they? Do you see any chance that? I know they're, you know, with your secondary, their passes are going to be yeah. very difficult. Can and plus Illinois doesn't throw the ball very well, and they don't protect very well. Can they run the ball against Penn State? Do they have any chance to
3: do that? Well, Mustafer's out for the year, Lauren. Uh, so this will be the first time they've gone out and started a game without PJ Mustafer in the middle, whom I thought was either a first or second team All Big Ten selection. And Mustafer down the road is an NFL player, just like his brother with the Bears. And, uh, and so this will be that big test right there. For the most part, Penn State has done a really good job against the run. It's just now, now – and Derek Tangelo is excellent against the run. I, I think Arnold Ebekevi is a terrific defensive end. Uh, Luke and Tarburton are good against the run. It's just not having Mustafer today, that's the mystery part for Penn State. Devon Ellis is going to start there. And Kazai Izzard is going to play a lot. Uh, but that will be an interesting question, Lauren, because of the lack of Mustapha. If mustard is in there, I'd give you, I would give you—I would have given you a, a definitive answer that I would say they can run the ball some, but not a lot.
2: Real quick, anything new on the basketball side here in Happy Valley?
3: Yep, a lot of transfers, Steve. Uh, and that's uh, how Micah Shrewsbury uh, has built it. They've done a lot of work on the recruiting trail with new guys coming in. A lot of guys coming in on the recruiting trail next year that are four-year players, all right? But in order to transition the program over, transfers became important. So they've got John Harrah back. They've got Seth Lundy back. They've got Sam Sessoms back. They've got Miles Dredd back. Now they've added in Jalen Pickett, who was the Metro Atlantic Player of the Year last year at Siena. Heck, I mean, in fact, I'd be honest with you, Steve, I think he might be their best player. Uh, Lundy, in my opinion, has had a really good preseason. Really good. He looks good. Hera is what you expect. John's good all the time. Kofi Coburn will tell you that John's a tough matchup. Although you guys have your team is, I mean, between I mean Cabello and and uh, and Kofi, that's that's some unit they got there. But uh, and Lundy's at, and, and Sesums is a really good finisher. But Pickett's a transfer. Greg Lee from Western Michigan's a lot like Hera. I think they're right now at a point that, that I would say they're in an eight-man rotation and could maybe expand it to nine. Uh, and I think this is a team that's going to be it's not they won't be great, but they'll be good. They'll be a good team. This you know, I think they've got a chance to to pick off a few teams as the season goes along. Just a question of how quickly, you know, they mesh together and I think that'll be the important part for them. Uh Steve but they Jones. got players.
2: Always good to see you, Ed's just he can't wait to give you a hug when you take that <laughs> headset off, so you might want to keep it on for a while. Uh, so <laughs> So, Lauren, uh,
3: how many more questions you have, Lauren? I mean, I mean I, I, I'll answer anything. What do you mean? <laughs>
2: hey, Steve, always good to see you. Steve, uh, thanks a lot
3: for coming on with us. Uh, uh, Lauren, hey, and again, hey, thank the world of you, my brother. Thank you. Good you luck with your broadcast today. Hey, Steve, it's always great to see you, my friend. That's
2: thanks Steve so Jones, everybody. We'll take a quick break and be back with more <laughs> Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to Illini Game Day, everybody. Steve Kelly and Happy Valley, Lauren Tate. In Champaign, we're with you another six or seven minutes here before the uh, top of the hour as we get set for Fighting Illini game day. A couple of other notes. Don't forget about the uh, Illinois basketball exhibition tonight, 8 o'clock, against St. Francis, University of Illinois. That gets underway, as I said, at 8, and you can hear it right here on the Busey uh, Bank Fighting Illini Sports Network of golf coach Mike Small is playing in the uh, 2021 Senior PGA Championship down in Port Lucie, Florida. And after two rounds, Smalley is tied for third at seven under par. He had back-to-back rounds of 68. He is two shots out of the uh, lead there. Kurt Rogers from uh, Champaign Country Club also playing in that event down in Florida as well. Other Big Ten games uh, today, Lauren, besides Illinois at Penn State, not, not a Bunch of great matchups on uh, this particular Saturday, but Northwestern plays at Michigan. Wisconsin is at Purdue. That might be a pretty good game yeah, with I, Purdue at the top twenty-five.
0: I'll be interested to see what was, uh, Purdue can do with their pass offense against Wisconsin because they dazzled uh, Iowa with that three-quarterback uh, offense. I mean, that was amazing what what Purdue did to Iowa. I thought not not just winning the game, but dominating the game with their passing game. And Wisconsin doesn't have a great you know their, their their offense is not great, Steve. They will score. They'll score against Purdue. I just wonder if Purdue can, can counter. And and that that's a game I would be very interested in. They're only a Wisconsin's only a three point favorite, three three or three and a half. So that that's a toss up, I think.
2: Yeah, Michigan's a big favorite over Northwestern. Penn State is a twenty four point favorite over Illinois. Maryland plays at Minnesota. At 2:30 uh, this afternoon, and then Ohio State tonight in the uh, prime time game, if you will, at Indiana, at 6:30. Can the Hoosiers keep up with the Buckeyes? Well,
0: I I, I want to talk about that because I remember when the season started, that Indiana folks were so mad because they weren't <laughs> ranked higher in the top 10, you know. And uh, now I think everything has changed with Indiana kind of struggling and trying to get by, and they've they've got a quarterback problem too. Uh, Ohio State as a 19-point favorite. And I think the whole mood has changed at Indiana, and they're swinging back to basketball already because what what figured to be just a banner season in football is now they're just trying to ride it out. And, and uh, they're hosting, they're the host of, of Ohio State today. And if Ohio State wins that game as they're expected to, I think Indiana's going to just turn to basketball, which is what they usually do about this time of year.
2: Well, they've had some bad luck on the schedule. They've played all kinds of uh, ranked teams uh, early on. But uh, yeah, you're right. They they did but, a lot of preseason talking, didn't
0: they? Yeah. Well, they opened the season against Iowa. You know, yeah. that was a game they thought they just going to knock off Iowa and get rolling right through Cincinnati and all the rest. And, and it, it didn't happen. And and also, I I'm always interested in Notre Dame. They're home against Southern Cal. When is Southern Cal going to start playing like Southern Cal? I guess when they get a new coach, huh?
2: Maybe. Yeah. That's uh that's a mystery in itself. A lot of the Big Ten teams, some of the <laughs> the really good Big Ten games are next week. Mm-hmm. You know, Penn State uh, is at Ohio State next week, Michigan yeah, Michi- and Michigan State.
0: Yeah, Michigan Michigan State, that'll be a good one.
2: Yep, and uh, Iowa plays at Wisconsin next week. So nobody's looking ahead that far, but uh, here in Happy Valley, uh, no word on uh, who the starting quarterback will be for the Nittany Lions. Sean Clifford is the uh, starter. And uh, he has thrown five interceptions on the season, but he's completing 66% of his passes overall and 11 touchdowns. As you heard Steve Jones say, he has really been playing well. He's passed for um, 1,100 and some odd yards so far in uh, the season, and their back off, there appeared to be quite a drop off uh, to their back off, uh, backup, uh, Taquan Roberson. We'll have to see how it goes. Who runs out at starting quarterback on both sides uh, here today for the orange and blue? It's uh, it's either Art Sidkowski or Brandon Peters
0: or <laughs> who else? <laughs> what other possibility? It's Tate. Well, I'm ready, but uh, you know it's it's uh, I've heard the theory this week. I've heard that I, it wasn't me that expressed it, but I heard this that oh well, Penn State won't play Clifford today because they don't need him, but they want to make sure he's ready for Ohio State next week. And so they'll try to, and and they'll they'll beat Illinois anyway. So that, that that's the theory that I heard, and I and I think it makes some sense. But I think if if he's healthy, they, they're you know they'll they'll probably play him today.
2: Yeah, you can uh, make a case on both sides of that theory that uh, <laughs> it it would be good if he's healthy to get him in there and, and get some game reps. They were off last week, so he he's had uh, some time on the sideline. But uh, we'll see how that plays out coming up in a couple of hours here before we uh, get to the uh, kickoff at 11.06 Central Time. Basketball, we talked about that a little bit off the top, but uh, it's going to be fun to to see how things uh, shake out and how the rotation shakes out with all the guys playing on the same side for the first time.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're going to learn a lot. I think – it. Uh... We're going to learn what his starting lineup is, but if you look up, if you blink your eyes and look up, it'll change. <laughs> You'll have a different group in there. So, yeah, this is just kind of a, a fun exercise tonight, and I think. And uh, we'll get to see Kofi and get to see Corbello, and, and you know, those are the guys that are going to run this team. And I, I, don't know, uh, I don't know if there's anything, if we'll learn much tonight or not, but I'm going to go out there and see, Steve. I can't wait to see him.
2: I think it'll be interesting to, to see how many people show up. It is obviously open uh, to the public. It'd be nice to see a, a crowd up over 10,000. I don't know if you'll get that for an exhibition game, but given the fact that it's been over a year since fans were allowed to, to see basketball, uh, you'd hope it'd be a good turnout.
0: Yeah. Are you going to be able to get uh, Brian back here in time to broadcast the game?
2: Yep. I'm. Uh, I'm the co-pilot on the plane. <laughs> with with that in mind. Okay. We got to get Brian back to to do the ball game and. And we might bring Ed Bond with us, too. We're not sure.
0: (laughs) Any other thoughts, Steve? Where are we on the wind-up here?
2: We've got another 90 seconds or so that uh, that we can chat. Also coming up this afternoon, there's volleyball. If you're in town and you want to see a little doubleheader, you can see Illinois and Michigan at Huff Hall at 3 o'clock and then uh, hang around and go to the uh, basketball game tonight. Today's volleyball game is the pink game. In uh, reference to uh, breast cancer awareness for yep. the Illinois volleyball team, they're up right. over 500 in the Big Ten. Lauren. Yep,
0: yep. They've got a good team, but they've really got a problem trying to beat some of those teams. The league is so good; it's just uh, amazing what what's happened in volleyball. Uh, Nebraska's nine and and0 Wisconsin's eight and one, Purdue's seven and two, Penn State's seven and two. Those four have just been consistently very good, and they've been good for a while. So. When a, when a team gets to that level, it's easier to recruit, and they tend to stay there. Minnesota's 6-3, and three, by the way, and they're always pretty good, too.
2: Yep. Mr. Tate, appreciate your time. We'll hear you as we move along our coverage today. Stay tuned. Fighting Illini game day is up next.
0: Thanks, Steve.